Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Week seven, almost in the books. One more game <clears throat> tonight on Monday Night Football. The San Francisco 49ers and the Vikings. And we are in the midst of a major shakeup in this year's best ball season. Lots of players on IR, even more injuries stacking up by weeks. Everything is changing over the course of this next month. We had some monster performances, the Chiefs, the Chargers. We're going to get into all that. Look at some of the leaderboards, answer some of your questions, and see what we think is going to happen the rest of the way. Now, what's going to win? Who are going to be the guys you need in best ball in 2023? Let's get into it now. Hello, hello. Sup, Olaf. Sup, Ken. Happy week seven, week eight, whatever you want to call it here. I can't believe it's week seven. I cannot believe it feels like yesterday we were drafting until our eyes were bleeding to get everything in all these tournaments that we wanted. And now here we are, seven weeks, seven weeks in to best ball season. And my God, the carnage is through the roof. Excited to dive into where a lot of teams are standing. See what you guys are thinking about the rest of the way through the best ball season. We just, the, the most recent news is on the top of my brain, but yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about here. Olaf mentions JSN and Jameer Gibbs. We just got news just a little bit ago, right before the show, that Dawson Knox is having wrist surgery, and they don't know how long he's going to be out. It's tough to say. JSN had wrist surgery uh, and didn't miss you know much camp time or anything. So we'll see what's up with Knox, but certainly he's going to miss some time. So Dalton Kincaid season, uh, despite a bad performance, uh, a poor performance, 
for both of these guys. <clears throat> it's apparently rookie tight end season. Michael Mayer taking over more of the uh, tight end role in Vegas. Trey McBride continuing to slowly grow. It wasn't qu- quite what we hoped for this week, but f- uh, something like uh, six PPR points this this week against Seattle. The rookies, man, this that is definitely one of the big themes that I'm feeling right now. The rookies, right? Obviously, a lot of this, <clears throat> it's easy to look back and say, oh, yeah, you know, the rookies break out over the course of the season. It is a little bit of, you know, the chaos coming into play, but we want to draft the guys that can most benefit from, from the chaos. And I think that these rookies are really starting to show us Right. When David Montgomery goes down, Jameer Gibbs is insanely valuable because we know how talented he is. Right. JSN, it was a combination of his emergence over the course of the last couple of weeks. Right. In week six, he played uh, or the, the last game for the Seahawks before this week. He played the most snaps that he had played all season. Pete Carroll was hyping him up as, you know, early in the year. He had the wrist thing. Um, and so they were actually, it's kind of funny. I, I, I didn't even think about this part of it. I was just buying the dip, uh, all of August and September on JSN, but Pete Carroll mentioned, you know, obviously he's a sl- mostly a slot receiver and so that's naturally going to take him off the field on some rundowns as it is, but they didn't feel comfortable with his ability to run block with a recently fractured wrist. And so that was limiting his snaps, limiting him to more like, uh, obvious passing situations, which is like, okay, but also does limit your upside, right? If you, if you can't be in on a rundown, there's, there's times where you quarterbacks check out of run plays, right? Or you have multiple plays called in the huddle. And so it's a run play. You need to be able to run block, but, oh, you get a look from the defense and it turns into a pass play. A lot of things, you know, just so much in the air there. And so JSN was not really ready, um, to take on that with his wrist and also just being a rookie. He ha- he didn't really play much in his final year at Ohio state. And so there was a little bit of getting up to speed time there. And we see that with the tight ends, right? Not everyone is Sam Laporta. Almost no one <laughs> is Sam Laporta just being a full-time starting tight end and productive from week one as a rookie. It takes a little bit of time. And so we're seeing that's one of the biggest trends. We'll get into some of this, this other stuff, like certainly this, that Jonathan says Taylor Swift boyfriend's pretty good at football. Yes, he is. Uh, and uh, I'm leading in with all these rookie tight ends, and none of them, I guess, Kincaid was uh, pretty good this week. And, and um, Laporta was typical Laporta, like 11 PPR points. Uh, we'll get to the elite tight ends. But it, it growth as a rookie is we always expect it to be like, okay, he played 40% of snaps in week three. He's going to play 50%, and then he's going to play six, right? And, and all this. And what we usually see is like, it's just a switch. And sometimes, like with Gibbs, like with JSN, it's a little bit of of the fact that there's an injury around them too. That being said, JSN, you know, Jake Bobo, shout out Jake Bobo. If you watch the Rotor Grinders uh, DFS show on Sunday mornings, we had a good chat about Jake Jake Bobo. Uh, I got absolutely everything wrong about the Week Seven Sunday DFS slate, but we got Jake Bobo right, so we're gonna we're gonna take that W and and take about 15 L's from yesterday. But uh, Jake Bobo kind of stepped into that outside role, JSN still being predominantly a slot receiver, but his role did grow. And we saw the targets, you know, the, the targets grow. We saw the, the downfield red zone shot that obviously he converted into a touchdown. And these types of things just happen with these young 
players, right? It's not always just rookies, but these rookies in particular this year, this is like kind of what happens. Like not again, not everybody is Sam Laporta. Not everybody is Jamar Chase, right? JSM was an amazing prospect. He wasn't quite as good of a prospect as Jamar Chase, but like not everybody just comes into the NFL week one and is a star right away. Sometimes they are. And that's why I do like to bet, right? Sometimes you're just Sam Laporta and you're just a top 10 tight end in the NFL week one, the moment you step on a football field. Sometimes you're Michael Mayer. Sometimes you're Dalton Kincaid. And it takes time to grow into that. And so I just think it's it's whether you drafted these guys or not, you, you have some of them, you don't have other ones. We're starting to see the thesis that most of us, if you watch the show, if you're one of the sickos like all of us, you probably draft a lot of these younger guys and maybe some some contingent value bets. And that is something that we, you know, we love to see over the course of the season. It is highly variant in terms of when it's going to happen. We hope it happens sooner rather than later. But we see this, that like I said, the growth is not linear. It kind of just happens. JSN, week one, week two, week three, like limited role, limited role, limited role. Kincaid, limited role, limited role. Boom, 80% of snaps, right? Last week, eight targets. Uh, Michael Mayer, boom, 80% of snaps two weeks ago. Um, obviously Gibbs, of course, that's with David Montgomery out where he's not going to project to be that way. But when you, when you step up and perform, when given the greater opportunity, it only leads to better things down the road, right? Like they're not going to turn Gibbs. Gibbs is not going to scale back into a, a, a 20% snap. Sorry, my dog is digging uh we got a dog bed over in the corner that you can't that you can't see over here and he is just my god digging and digging and digging uh but anyway really really excited and i think that's one of the big lessons before we get into just the explosions of a couple of these different teams uh, uh two of them in in particular the young these young players and some of these bets that we made from a best ball perspective that you know we're not so focused on week one, even week two, even week three. We're focused on winning this tournament. Like, we're still only in week seven, man. We are halfway through the first, like, stint in this silly, silly, silly uh, game that we play, right? There's there's four parts to this. The regular season, setting aside drafters, which we will touch on drafters and the BBM regular season. I'm going to check out some of those leaderboards here in a minute. We have the regular season. You got to finish in the top two there, right? And so many people focus all of the almost all of their attention on that, and that's just the that's just the first part, right? That's how you get your that's how you get your money back for that, team, right? In BBM, you just get your best ball mania specifically. Some of the other tournaments are different. You're just getting your money back if you advance out of your your league. So like, and even a the best advance rate in the world is you know a 25 30% advance rate something like that so you're you're losing money even if you have the best advance rate in the world all the money we talk about all summer all the money comes at the end so it's just nice to see some of the guys start start to stack some wins here you j- these rookies these younger players <clears throat> even the you know everybody hates the falcons and we'll talk about Bijan but everybody hates the falcons you know, we're, you're getting fine games out of the Londons and the pits and all these young guys uh, just slowly but surely uh, a, a large collection of them getting better and better. And so um, bearing the lead for sure. But that's the big thing that's been sticking out in my mind here this afternoon since we got that Dawson Knox news, because it was just like 
in one foul swoop, all like all these guys, all these young guys started to emerge, right? You get the JSN, of course, with no Metcalf. You get uh, Mayer and you get uh, Gibbs and you get all these different guys just popping up um, kind of all in the same week, which is really good for me uh, personally. Also, shout out Jerome Ford. Uh, hopefully he's okay. Got banged up in that game. But then you get the boom, Dawson Knox. And it's like all of these guys, all of these bets on upside rookies are getting their shot, right? They're not, uh, you know, JSN did score. Gibbs did uh, kind of luck box a, a touchdown at the end to get there. But they are getting their opportunity now. And we'll kind of see how this goes the rest of the way. Some uh, shout out, Jesse. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. And yes, please do drop a like down there on the video and this is ultimately it right um as olaf says and best ball is so funny because like i'm not gonna ever sit here and tell you that i think like kyron williams is the most talented player of all time and i didn't know how talented you know puka nakua was or or those kinds of things but ultimately there's such a big like being able to find the guys who could be more talented than maybe the draft market is giving them credit for like that's Puka, right? That's, that's a, certainly a lot of these rookies. Um, frankly, Laporta is a very, very good one. That is just way more talented than, you know, he got buried because he was the rookie tight end, but we kind of almost knew he was going to be the starter from week one for a long time. And it was just like the rookie tight end narrative was holding all these guys back. And so if you just say, I don't care about any of that stuff. Just give me the possibly super talented young player that is also more likely to be reaching the peak of his value when I need him the most, right? Who is, who is more like, let's look at Adam Thielen as an example, stone cold smash. Every take I had about Adam Thielen this summer could not have possibly been more wrong to I've taken a lot of big L's <laughs> on a lot of individual players so far in these first seven weeks, but none greater than Adam Thielen, not even close. Um, like Rashad Penny is uh, less of an L to me than the the Adam Thielen takes that I had ov over the summer. And I would still do that again, as crazy as that sounds, because this, this is him burying me in the least important part of the season. And is it possible he's still, still doing it in week 17? Sure, anything, anything is possible. But Generally speaking, I prefer to target the archetype of player that is going to continue to rise and rise and rise. And we get to week 15, 16, 17. That's when they are at their peak value. Adam Thielen is at his peak value in the first four, five, six, seven, eight weeks of the season. He could, like I said, he looks awesome, by the way. Like I could not have been more wrong about like his dustiness. He looks good on the field. Obviously, they have absolutely no one that can earn any. Any, any targets at all on that offense. It is truly pathetic. The other uh, weapons that they have there. And it's certainly possible that he's just going to do this all, all season. And I, again, I will hold that L as, as well, but fading players like that and then targeting players like Laporta, JSN Gibbs, you know, Kincaid mayor, whatever targeting those kinds of guys tank Dell, Josh Downs, you can get big hits and then you also get the potential for the late season, like super emergence, right? Like Josh Downs could just be a star 
Tank Dell could just be a star. And I'm getting close enough to Adam Thielen. Not the same. Not the same. Uh, I'm getting close enough to Adam Thielen. But I don't have the risk of that archetype of a player. Right? Because for every Adam Thielen, now this can be true for a little bit of the rookies too, but for every Adam Thielen, there is a Juju Smith-Schuster. For every Adam Thielen, there is a name another dusty veteran, right? We do this every year. Brandon Cooks was a fifth round pick last year because for the same reasons that people took Adam Thielen. Now, Adam Thielen was way cheaper, so a very different thing. But that archetype of an older guy, how good is he still? That that fall off happens like look at every aging wide receiver of all time. It happens to Odell Beckham, whether it's injuries or age, it happens to Julio Jones. It happens. Juju isn't even that old (laughs) and it just poof gone. Juju can't play anymore. And so those types of players are a really difficult evaluation because there's a chance that the tank Dells and the Josh downs and the, cause you see Jonathan Mingo, Adam Thielen's teammate, probably just not very good. Maybe he'll get better over the season, but so far he just doesn't look like an NFL player. So you have that risk for the young guys, but you never have the risk of it. Like, Oh man, Adam Thielen hasn't been very good for the last couple of years. He's older. This offense is going to stink. What happens if like he falls off the cliff? Right. And so it's a delicate balance. I'm never, ever going to say like you have to fade anything. Because I think at at his cost, I understand why people were into an, an Adam Thielen. I honestly think it made it made total sense. Um, it it's not for me, and not how I like to personally play. But I I think the big lesson that we shouldn't be taking too many hard lessons away. You know, certainly not in week seven. We're going to look back in week 17. We'll be doing this exact show and probably laugh at some of the things that I said today or the things that we thought at this point in time were going to be the truth. And so you can't take, like I said, you can't take those massive lessons, but you also want to pick up things um, just to kind of store right in the back, in the back of your brain. And the archetype stuff is always the one that comes to me. And like, we're seeing this rookie emergence type stuff. And then you're seeing the Adam Thielen stone cold smash, but you're also seeing like, is there another old aging wide receiver that people said was going to get all the targets, right? Juju, Juju was like a a very, very similar bet in probably a better offense than, than Adam Thielen. And and he sucked. And so um, it's just, I I think that'll continue to be a fun conversation that I I, want to keep digging into because naturally I'm more prone to the younger players and that's, that's how I like to play this game. But also there, there does become a, a point at which it can be beneficial to dive into. And I think Thielen is an interesting case study where we like for, for whatever reason, the market decided that Juju could still play and Juju was going to be going, you know, at pick 100 or 110 or something like that. But Thielen did get, plummeted way 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 down right there wasn't a carolina panther wide receiver uh, and jonathan mingo was the first one that went off the board and then dj chark and adam thielen so they're in this game there always has become this balancing act of that's not the kind of player that i think is a is a great bet in a vacuum but at a certain cost the upside that we're seeing from adam thielen does 
outweigh it. But then also how many, how many chips do you want to put in on one of the worst, you know, archetype bets that you can make aging wide receiver, bad offense. You're counting on projectable volume, right? And when you count on projectable volume, especially in bad offenses, from players who may not be very good. Now Thielen is proving to still be a good football player, but like we didn't we didn't know that. It's easy to say now, but the last couple of years you were like, "Oh my god, it's over. It's over for Adam Thielen. This dude can't get targets." That all they all the freaking Vikings had was Justin Jefferson for the last couple of years and he couldn't earn any targets. So, what is that like how do we move forward? It's constantly weighing all of these things that I don't think that that type of a player is a good bet in a vacuum. But if everybody says, nope, we're burying him. And we did. I did. Me and Corrine did a show this summer. We got some really hateful <laughs> comments uh, on the video about, you know, you can't, like you guys are idiots about Adam Thielen, blah, blah, blah. And that guy was right so far. And we were wrong. But it's only week seven. And we'll see how this whole thing plays out. But it, I just kind of want to keep storing that in the back of of my mind and so that's kind of a natural transition from the young guys into the old guys who were discounted that are are performing uh really highly so far um really quickly olaf also on zero thielen I, I did not see his name uh either why dad says a good question so by this logic thielen is a good pick on drafters because week one is worth the same as week 17 i will say generally speaking yes that is 100 percent the case um a big reason why the, these types of players are less valuable on, on DraftKings and on underdog. Um, we'll see what underdog does with their regular season stuff uh, next year. That can always, that can always change if they continue to gravitate more towards the uh, regular season format, but on drafters, I, I am a little, a little bit more willing to draft some guys that I don't generally draft. Now, that being said, that leads you to more cam acres. And guess what? You draft a bad football player because you're expecting early season production. Sometimes you get camp. Sometimes you get Adam Thielen. Sometimes you get cam makers. Sometimes you get Juju, you know, sometimes you get X, Y, Z. And so that's the other thing. It's, it's easy to pick out the, the, the kind of outliers you, you pick an archetype, right? And every player is a little bit unique, but generally speaking, we can, we can kind of help ourselves make decisions by putting players into archetypes. And we say, okay, we pick the one outlier, out of this archetype that is generally a terrible bet to make, right? Whereas the young, young, potentially, potentially talented or certainly talented in JSN and Gibbs and um, ETN, another good example of a guy who I wasn't really high on, who was just absolutely smashing, right? But the, the young talented player is the opposite. It's the archetype that we want to bet. Like they're all the, like how many big hits come out of this every year. It's always the bet on the young, talented players. We're not always perfect at identifying that talent, but that archetype is fruitful. So many big hits come from there. Almost no big hits come from the old guy you're counting on volume for and praying. He's not stone cold dust at the age of 32 or whatever. Right. And I think that's how old Adam Thielen is. He's 31 or 32. He is 33. Jesus Christ. He's even older than that. So betting on a 33-year-old who for the last three years has been very bad. Um, are, it, you know, but again, exceptions to the rule. Good point by Jonathan. Exceptions to the rule don't make it the rule. 100%. And, and right. Sometimes you get Robert Woods. Sucks. 
can't earn volume because he's not good. He's worse than Nico and Tank Dell. And, and the Houston offense is actually good. The Carolina offense, Carolina whole team stinks. But like, I just think we've started to reach this point in the season where all this conversation becomes fascinating because I don't want it to sound like I'm shitting on Adam Thielen, even though I guess I kind of, I kind of am, but I'm not in terms of people that drafted him or his performance. But I think this whole conversation around these types of players is so important because you outliers do win outliers win best ball tournaments but how do i want to try to get dip into the waters of this archetype that may have the one outlier adam thielen is the one outlier and he's a big freaking hit amazing tournament winning on drafters at least tournament winning outlier do I want to wade into those waters and try to find the outlier? Or do I want to wade into this archetype where I know that there's going to be a bunch of big hits. There's going to be a bunch of big misses. Sometimes it's Jonathan Mingo and sometimes it's Josh Downs. But I, I you know, I, I think that that conversation is one that a, is probably going to be a little intolerable next year. Cause we'll get some dusty old veterans that people will pound the table for. And it is what it is. And people will come back and dunk on those of us that didn't draft Adam Thielen. But I, I, I do think if we're taking this serious and not trying to just be trolls that like we reach this point in the season, you can start to see why, Oh, that this is why you drafted JSN. Oh, this is why you drafted Dalton Kincaid. This is why you drafted, you know, X, Y, Z tank Dell, Josh Downs. Look at Josh Downs, another big game. This is why you drafted those guys. Um, and so it's a, just a fun kind of, uh, you know, thought experiment that I want to continue to, to think more, more deeply on because uh, yeah, I think we should always be trying to find uh, the guys who can really far exceed their draft cost. And certainly Thielen is showing us that he had that in him, but it's, e- it's always so easy to say in hindsight, right? It's so easy to say, Oh yeah, look, Tank Dell, he was a baller in college. He's balling out in the NFL, right? Cause he's better than Robert Woods. Easy. But like, we didn't really know that same thing. Adam Thielen, what are you talking about? Adam Thielen's been a pro bowler and he's the best wide receiver on a crappy team with a rookie quarterback. Of course. Why, why was he going in the one fifties or whatever? Like, it's easy to say, but we have to do this thing. We have to draft these teams in May, June, July, August, September. Not now when, once we get, once we get the results in, um, Let's see. Yeah, we can answer a couple. Why not answer a season-long question before we talk about uh, uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend? Only Green says, boys, I need help. Who do I pick? I need 13 points from Osborne or Madison. I'm going KJ Osborne. You can't run on San Francisco. Um, I'm hoping for 13 points from Alexander Madison. I got him uh, on my my best drafters team, but uh, it's going to be tough sledding for the Vikings tonight, but if I'm going to try to pick on them somewhere without Justin Jefferson, just, just pray, pray for KJ Osborne. I think for me, Um, let's see here. Why dad says a good one. So many, you guys are crushing it in the uh, chat tonight. Why dad says Juju and Thielen comparison reminds me of Sanders and Montgomery. For me, they were basically the same player and one of them is a smash and the other is a bust. It really is true though, right? Like um, I think David Montgomery and Miles Sanders are just a, a smidge different, but I do think Juju and Thielen were like almost the same thing, which is also why the price was important. Juju went, you know, in the early hundreds and uh, 
uh, Thielen went at like, I don't know, 150 or something. I don't, I have a sick brain that I remember a lot of the ADPs of most players. But when you draft, when you literally never draft a player, it's hard to remember his his ADP. But to your point, to, to the point is that David Montgomery and Miles Sanders both are like, let's call them average NFL running backs. They're not, they're not, uh, who are we trying to think here? Cam Akers. They're not, you know, some vagabond that doesn't deserve to be on an NFL team. They certainly deserve to be NFL running backs, but like, they're not difference making talent, right? This is not Bijan Robinson or CMC or Travis Etienne or Brees Hall. I think we could all confidently say that those guys are more talented than Miles Sanders and David Montgomery. And so how do you like, I, I took some Montgomery. I took no Miles Sanders. I took some Montgomery solely because of his situation. Is that right? Is that wrong? I don't, I, I'm not trying to proclaim either, either of them, but I think you could, you could argue that <clears throat> they're the t- same in a similar archetype of a player who's incredibly average can, can function in a, in an offense that's cooking, right? We saw Miles Sanders last year. We've seen David Montgomery before, and we're seeing David Montgomery this year, frankly, uh, when they're in a competent or very good offense, they're good enough to put up fantasy points, but like, that's a lot of running backs. And so when things go South, like they are in Carolina, Miles Sanders is not good enough to make up for that. Like, look at, look at Brees Hall and Miles Sanders. The Jets offense is horrendous. <laughs> really, really bad, right? Awful situation to be in for a running back. But Brees is so good that he's still putting up fantasy points every single week because his talent can make up for the lack of a great situation. And we thought we were – imagine if he had Aaron Rodgers. Jesus. Like what Brees would be doing. But nonetheless, Brees is still a really valuable fantasy asset, in my opinion. Also has an awesome stretch uh, of a schedule coming up here. So wheels up for Brees. But Miles Sanders is not good enough to make up for that lack of a good situation. The environment that he's in is terrible. Whereas Monty, David Montgomery, was average at best for Chicago. He needed every touch, right, to be to be fantasy viable when Khalil Herbert was stealing touches or others were stealing touches. It wasn't going as well for him in Chicago. But when he gets the work in Detroit and they're scoring a bunch of points, he's good enough to do it, right? And so it's just a tricky it's tricky, but I like that I like that kind of uh a comparison that uh that you put there. Um let's see here. Cobra Kai says, I get people missing on Adam Thielen. No one could have seen that coming, but I regret not having more Mostert and having any Devontae Parker. That's interesting. Um, I don't regret. It's, it is funny, though, that um, I will admit to having some Devontae Parker, a lot more Kendrick Bourne, <laughs> which is disgusting. But I, uh, I felt a little more comfortable taking the Patriots guys in the last round, like literally in the last round, I know that the cost on someone like Thielen was, was very cheap and not prohibitive at all, but there's like, he went, this is going to disgusting, but he went around. Like I was a very big late round quarterback guy this year. Right. And, and everybody loved the late round tight ends. And there were still good running backs going around in the one fifties, one sixties, one forties, whatever. And so that two V two, like I always like, I was, man, just, I, I like Kendrick Bourne as much, if not more than Adam Thielen, give me Kendrick Bourne in the last round or Devonte Parker. The, uh, give me the 
two Patriots wide receivers who I actually think can play, <laughs> not Juju. I think that the other two are possibly decent. I think Kendrick Bourne's a quality NFL football player. Devontae Parker, maybe not so much anymore. But if I'm going to make that bet, let me make it in the last round type of a thing. And so that's where that Thielen one becomes interesting because he wasn't right. It wasn't Juju. I didn't have to pay a, a pick 100 price on him. So you can make the same case for him that I'm sitting here making for Bourne and Devontae Parker as average at best NFL, NFL talents. Um, Mostert is a little bit of a, a different one. We'll talk about the Dolphins in, uh, in just a second. Uh, <laughs> I'll not stand for Cam Akers slander. A couple guys says I have 30% and I'm just waiting for him to take Madison jobs. Good luck. Uh, I'm rooting for you. Uh, yeah. And Brees saw 5,800 in DFS on Sunday. Lock city. Just, just uh, just lock it in. Johnny says, unfortunately, I'm one in six, and I can't seem to buy a win. Buddy, I am right there with you in some of my leagues. If it makes you feel any better. This is the glory of best ball. I don't have to overanalyze every single team. <laughs> I don't have to overanalyze every single team every single week and get pissed about like having the third highest scoring team and having one or two wins on the season. I, every year, I tell myself I'm going to play less, of, and I am playing less of managed leagues. Uh, but Every year I get reminded of why I hate it so much. I have two dynasty teams that are loaded, like absolutely loaded. And I am two and four and one about to, I'm about to go to two and five in, in, uh, in one of them. I'm, I'm about to go to one and six in the other, one, <laughs> in the other one. And they're like awesome teams. And I'm, I'm not like leading the league in points by any stretch, but I'm, I'm in the top half of points. I have good teams. I'm trotting out a good lineup every single week and I just can't get a win. And so in one, I'm starting a tank, like not a full tank, but I'm selling off some pieces to try to get some draft picks. And it's like, it reminds me of why uh, I choose best ball because I get to just root for, you know, uh, a bunch of teams, hundreds or thousands of teams every single year uh, and, and celebrate tons of touchdowns, right? Oh, Kyron scored. Yay. Got him. Oh, Puka scored. Got him. Oh, Jalen Warren scored. Sweet. JSN scored. Awesome. You know, I get to root for all these different guys instead of that one, excuse me, that one uh, lineup. Oh, excuse me. And Johnny says, yeah. And I have the second highest scoring team. Uh, here's a fun one. I know this is a best ball show and nobody really gives a shit about everybody else's uh, season long teams, but I, I do one auction draft with uh, some buddies. Really fun. Full PPR auction and i like to i like to do that because um if i'm gonna do this season long i like to do something where i can actually draft every player like give me a different format like the snake draft stuff is like god i do so many of those every single year like i would like if i'm gonna play a managed league let's play a different format so i love the auction format i will still play some of those i'm trying to i'm trying to think of go through all the guys that i i drafted i had in my opinion the best team in the league Probably not. I'm not sure it was close. So Justin, I paid for Justin Jefferson, Garrett Wilson, and Mark Andrews were my studs. I naturally, as you know me, went zero RB. Deontay Johnson hurt in the first game. Obviously, Justin Jefferson hurt. Garrett Wilson loses um, loses Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but running backs, think about before all these guys got hurt. Kyron, A-Chain, A-Chan, whatever, A-Chan, like just had an absolute all-star squad, like an absolute all-star squad got so decimated by injuries that I went from 
Jefferson, Garrett, Wilson, Deontay, Andrews, Kyron, Achan starting in my lineup every single week. To last week, I started Justice Hill, Royce Freeman, Curtis Samuel, Zeke. I had to start Zeke. Um, it was fucking disgusting. It was absolutely, it was, it, it's disgusting. And that is, again, why I much prefer uh, best ball. Mostert and Jeff Wilson is another good example. I don't think Mostert is that good. It could have easily been Jeff Wilson smashing if it was Mostert who got hurt. Um, that's a that's an interesting one because I, I think here's what I'll say: Mostert is not a superstar NFL running back by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think anyone's going to compare Raheem Mostert to CMC or Eckler or or Bijan or or any one of those guys. He is, however, a great fit in Miami with his speed. He fits that zone system, the the, the Shani, a.k.a. McDaniel system. And then, yeah, he got lucky. Um, Jeff Wilson went down, and so it was clearly his job. And then HN takes over the you know uh, secondary job there. But um, that's how it goes sometimes, and that is the benefit of the good environment. And he, he clearly was a, a potential upside type of a, a player, right? He's a home run hitter in a an offense that, assuming health, for everybody involved was at worst going to be an above average offense. We're seeing that it's a basically one of the top three to five offenses in the NFL. So, you know, that's the chaos of the season. Uh, it has worked out very well for Raheem Moster with Wilson being hurt. And then HN going down, interested to see what happens with Wilson coming back and HN going to be back in a couple of weeks. Really interested to see. Uh, my guess is that Wilson is just nothing. No, I don't mean nothing. But uh, Wilson will require an in- an injury uh, to to be in there, and then uh, HN will be you know, back right there with uh, with Mostert. Yeah, I know Hacker. I know Hacker enjoyed the uh, nine the nine PPR points from from Zeke. I did too. I'll take the I'll take the touchdown. I think I scored like eighty points in full PPR. Really strong week. Shout out Sam Howell for a horrible horrible week. Um, let's talk about let's talk about the Chiefs though, because I want to. Uh, segue that into <clears throat> some leaderboard talks we're going to pull up uh if you're unfamiliar uh speaking of hacker in our uh in the in the chat our wizard maestro behind the scenes building all of our our spike week tools has built out some best ball leaderboards and uh let me go to the leaderboards with uh, the premium oh, i'm not signed in we'll just go back to the players okay uh Zoom in a little. There we go. All right. So this is the Best Ball Mania regular season leaderboard. And yes, who doesn't love a nine-point usable week? I I would kill for a nine-point usable week on some of my teams. Rashad Penny, Damian Harris has had one of those, I think. I think he had, I think nine was his he scored one touchdown this year. I think he had nine points in that. He's also on IR. Uh, all my highest owned players are on IR, uh, it, it appears. But uh, want to look at the best ball mania leaderboard and then also look at the drafters leaderboard. And we can kind of get a little bit of a sense for where the top teams are at and, and how much shakeup there's going to be. I think it's pretty crazy to look at that. I believe uh, I'm actually going to start with the second place team. I believe FF Luigi was in first, uh, I think, was in first up until this week. Or, or maybe last week, but has been near the top or at the top of the Best Ball Mania for regular season leaderboard for 
basically the whole year. And what a fascinating team. The double elite tight end of which neither of them played in week one. And he has the most <laughs> total points, second most now. Unfortunately for him, this is the brutality of this sport, right? Loses Anthony Richardson for the season, had lost Kenny Pickett for a little bit of a stretch there. Is currently without David Montgomery, is currently without HN, and is currently without Kyron Williams. Kyron was placed on IR, so he's out for at least the next three weeks. And uh, there was something else I wanted to point out. No, that was it. Uh, so he's down to Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell. And uh, running back is a little bit uh, tough. But still, Rashad White, DeMott will be back. Mostert and Tajay, he can hang in there. Certainly not dead. But like I said, the brutality of this game with injuries. Found it interesting that uh, Jalen Hurts was actually on two of the top five more teams than Tua. Uh, was Jalen Hurts. I found that to be pretty uh, the same amount of teams as Tua. Jalen Hurts, despite being a second-round pick or a, a two-three turn pick, I think it goes to show that this this can show you part of the value of the elite quarterbacks. Where when you hit on and like there have been so many mid to late round just smashes. Not like not like good picks, but like absolutely going nuclear and like doing it constantly. I know HN's out, right? But HN, Adam Thielen, Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, Mostert. Um, I mean, look, you see Curtis Samuel on a bunch of these teams. He hasn't going nuclear, but he's getting you double digits every week. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Nico, Nico Collins, right? Uh, Alvin Kamara was affordable. Jerome Ford just had a big game. Like there's so many of these mid to late round players that have gone nuts. And fortunately for the, the uh, elite quarterback teams, kind of that two, three turn in terms of running backs and wide receivers has not been very good. Uh, it hasn't been awful, but it also hasn't been particularly great. And so that's why there's so much nuance to all this, right? But why is a double elite tight end team with Chris Olave, who's been like, okay, right. Both the elite tight ends miss week one. Chris Olave has been fine. And both the tight ends just absolutely smashed this week. So he used both of their scores, but like crazy that that could possibly be one of the highest scoring teams in all of best ball <laughs> with that kind of layout. But it just goes, like I said, goes when you have, he has a chan Mostert, Montgomery, Rashad White, Kyron Williams, all on the same team. <clears throat> Incredible. And attacker points out, you get another one and the fourth place team. Now he has Andrews and Kittle. So no Kelsey, but Andrews and Kittle. You, but then you have the flip side on these other teams. You have a single elite tight end with Hawkins in here. You have a, I'm not, I'm not really going to call Kyle Pitts an elite tight end. Um, I don't want to say that, but then look at, look at this, look at the fifth place team. Tyler, four tight ends. None of them have done a goddamn thing. <laughs> Tyler Higby, Jawan Johnson, Hayden Hurst, and Noah Fant. None of them have done anything. But when you have Travis Etienne, and you have Devin Achan, and you have Raheem Mostert, and you have Tyree Kill, you have Mike Evans, you have Gabe Davis, and you have Adam Thielen, you're going to score a lot of points. And so, so far, other than the, the other than um, Tyreek, 
at the top. The defined and the Dolphins, right? So, <clears throat> but let's set that aside. Tyreek at the top, and then did you hit on Mostert, Achan? Uh, who else am I missing? Thielen, right? Maybe Nico, right? Uh, maybe Tank or Josh Downs or something. Did you did you hit on multiple of those guys because there were so many available to you between the whatever the eleventh round and the last round? There are slam dunk, grand slam, home run, whatever the hell you want to use picks that are monster scores so far in these formats, the regular season formats. That like, it's not that the first couple of rounds didn't matter, but they like almost didn't matter. You'd prefer to have probably Tyreek in the first round and then probably elite quarterback <clears throat> probably, but you know, two has obviously been, been very good. Howell Ritter. Um, I'm trying to think of the other quarterbacks that have been, that have been pretty solid there, but anyway, you get the point, right? Like this season has not been defined the same way as the last couple of seasons. The last couple of seasons seasons have been defined by a top six, seven, eight round player or multiple actually. So we had the Cooper cup breakout when Cooper cup and Robert Woods were both going in the fourth round. We had the Mark Andrews breakout that year when he was going in the fifth round, we had the Eagles last year and to a lesser extent, the dolphins all, but all elite. We had the Jags last year who were not, not so expensive, but still, uh, top 10, 11 round picks, but there were not to this extent, right? Last year it was like, did you draft Zay Jones? Like Zay Jones was great last year. And I think you probably still want him on teams this year once he gets healthy, but like there was nothing like this. This is crazy. Now that being said, lots and lots of HN on these teams, right? And now he'll be back and most of them whoops. And now, like, one, first, second, fifth, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, the top, all the top teams have Devin Achan. <clears throat> so clearly they've been weathering the storm. They just got to make it through a couple more weeks. So I think Achan teams, you know, are, are certainly fine. If you have Achan teams that are not at the top here, you're hoping to tread water for just a couple more weeks. Like, just get back, buddy. I need them. I know I need him. He's on uh, a couple of pretty good teams on drafters for me. But uh, the HN teams, I think, are mostly doing okay, the ones that are at the top. And he'll be, he's going to be back at the minimum amount of time. Whereas when I look up Kyron, lots of Kyron teams at the top as well. But you start to stack these, right? Okay. Kyron and Achan, right? We mentioned this uh, FF Luigi team, Kyron and Achan and David Montgomery. And he does have, as a hacker mentioned, uh, he has the uh, soon to be Titans. I would, oh baby, if we can get a Titans fire sale and give me Taija and give us Taija, who baby, whew, it's getting sweaty. He's making it move over here if we get, uh, if we get Taija. But, uh, you know, you, we are in this really, really like, year changing time with Achan out and Kyron out. We just got word apparently that Jerome Ford is going to miss a couple of weeks. Not that he was like a complete and utter slam dunk, but think about where we were sitting just a couple of weeks ago before Achan got hurt, before Kyron got hurt, right when, you know, Chubb, when Chubb went down, 
and you're like, oh, baby, I got Ford. You, you, there were so many of these like league winners or league winning types and like they're all hurt now. So now you need to backfill those, those league winners with somebody else that can fill in that production until hopefully they, they get back, right? Kyron's going to be out for at least three more weeks. Um, Achan's going to be out for two more weeks. And you got to be able to find a way to hang on, right? Whether you're, whether you're trying to compete for regular season prizes here or on drafters, or you're trying to just advance out of your group, right? Like, I mean, I know for me personally, uh, especially with, with all of those injuries with Kyron out with uh, the other bears guys out, shout out Donta Foreman for saving a shitload of teams of mine, but HN out, like I said, Kyron out, um, who else am I missing? There's, there's the guy Brees on by, right? Like all this, all these injuries Pollard on by all, all, just Bijan having a headache and not playing like so many guys missing my running back scores were putrid, absolutely putrid. That's why Foreman, like, I don't, uh, I think, uh, uh, Paul said in the, in the discord today that the performance from Dante Foreman this week probably makes him like a good pick at least like a net neutral pick, but probably a good pick, particularly given the running back landscape that we had this week. Tons of buys, so many guys injured, and so many impactful players injured, right? That if you had Foreman getting 30-something this week, it was so big for your teams because running backs didn't score very well this week. And and it wasn't the running backs that we expected it to be. Um, and it wasn't the running backs that have been smashing all season. So you, you somehow backfilled that with Dante Foreman. He was massive, absolutely massive so far this year. Um, we do need to talk about the Chiefs. Um, I am going to switch over. Let's, let's switch over to drafters real quick, though. Uh, all right. Best ball championship. Oops. Clear that out. All right. We are in the best ball championship and we see. Cutler for life, shout out. Spike Weaker sitting sitting in third. Where's the next best? Z Buckley, another Spike Weaker sitting in 21st. Uh, oh, this E Bimefor guy. Who's that? Sitting in sitting in 30th. Uh, our guy Eagle sitting in 32nd. Silvery Lake sitting in 35th. So a bunch of Spike Weakers uh, in striking distance. But a pretty nice lead here for Behave which uh, I believe we talked about two weeks ago when he was winning or near the top of the drafters leaderboard. Pretty nice, pretty nice little lead up by 34, almost 35, 35 points. Got uh, the big Hertz Goddard game this week. ETN ETN is, is sneakily one of the guys across like all of the top teams, not, not quite as much on, on drafters, but he was on like all the top teams uh, in BBM on underdog. Uh, him and you know, Tyreek, uh, HN, Mostert, those guys are all the. It's very funny that a wide receiver and two different running backs from the same from the same team are all littered on there. But such is life. Uh, behave sitting in first place. Pretty impressive squad that he has here, and he went not one, not two, but three Dolphins running backs. So he that is the. Uh, handcucking of all handcucking going on there but paired him with just smashes all around josh kelly even finally having a usable week i don't know that he actually he 
he did use he did use Josh Kelly's score this week. Etn, yeah, because Derek nothing from Derek Henry, obviously. Etn out. Moster didn't do anything. Jeff Wilson didn't do anything. So he used Josh Kelly. What a big, huge Josh Kelly touchdown run there for for uh, Behave. Obviously gets the big Hurts to Goddard game. Uh, Jacoby Myers. I, I do want to shout him out as another like uh, kind of sneakily awesome pick in best ball. Uh, had the one monster game in week one, I believe that was, and but has just put up cr- really, really solid production at the wide receiver position at a little bit of a cheaper spot. We were all uh, uh, really excited for, you know, the Dotson, Bateman, Zay Flowers, Traylon Burks, JSN, that whole tier. And like, there, <laughs> and JSN, I know, and Zay. All right. But uh, that whole tier is kind of just a flop. And then you have Jacoby Myers just sitting a couple rounds later, just ho-humming along, usable week, like uh, two spike weeks and an usable week every single week uh, on a terrible team. But uh, uh, obviously you see another Adam Thielen, but a, kind of a fascinating team, right? No Puka, no Kyron. But when you get the Dolphins right and you get a nice Hertz-Goddard stack uh, and Tyreek, obviously, wow crazy team crazy team and a uh, crazy username and an awesome username yeah let's see l3g that's what i'm gonna call you because legalize uh legalize it is that what your username is that's that is very confusing with all the numbers that's that's a little too much i see what you're doing but you're doing too much legalize it 420 says uh 96th place yeah let's look at let's look at 96th place Check the team. Sitting just behind uh, uh, a fellow spike weaker. We got a tight. That is a that is a tight squeeze here. Soccer Dave. Look at this. This is a fun little grouping here. We got our our good friend David Kitchen. Soccer Dave. Uh, another spike weaker and legalize it. Sitting here with hurts. Lots of hurts going on around here. Hurts car CMC. So you're looking for a CMC to get going tonight oh man shout out to you shout out to you and shout out to our boy evan hall r.i.p in peace um i don't think it i don't think he would have mattered too much with the way zach moss and jt are are playing but still would be nice that if he wasn't out for the season dk metcalf tough tough week to lose dk metcalf especially you had no nico big puka game for you big puka game for you but uh Wide receivers are a little thin. Wide receivers are a little thin, uh, but a hell of a start, man. 90, 96th place. Waller popping up. Goddard popping up. So you're good at tight end. Obviously, you have Hurts at quarterback, and you, your running backs are really good. CMC, Kamara, Mostert, Tank, Kyron, sitting pretty. Uh, hopefully, we can get some get Metcalf back out there, see what Jordan Addison can do. Nico will be out of the bye next week. And obviously, got Puka. So you got life. Got life no matter what. But um, fun, fun, fun team. Who'd you stack Derek Carr with? Did I? Nobody. Oh, Kamara. That's fun. That's fun. I like it. I was, oh, dude, the Saints. And don't get me started on the Saints. <clears throat> uh, but yes, as Jonathan said, Kamara's, Kamara looking good is a, is a, a great pick uh, that I did not take very much, uh, to, be to-, to be totally honest with you. Uh, wasn't super excited about him. Got lots of Kendra. Uh, he's doing, uh, Lots of standing and watching of Alvin Kamara catching one-yard checkdowns, but uh, 
Uh, Kamara looking good. If you got Kamara on your teams, you're definitely feeling good, especially right now with all those running back injuries. My goodness. One and only that's your only team. You're you drafted one team and it's in the top 100. Holy cow. Shout to you. Jeez. RIP Quez. It's too bad. Julio had to come in and ruin your, uh, your Quez Watkins, but shout out to you, man. Awesome team. That's impressive. That is very impressive. Hacker says, with all the Hurts teams, if someone lucks into a big week from their QB2 in week 10, could make a big difference. Excellent. Excellent point. Yeah. Um, haven't touched a ton on the buys. We touched a lot on young players versus old players versus, you know, how are, how are the bye weeks going to go with mainly with the running backs and the injuries. And just quickly, like kind of as we start to close, the, the bye week stuff is – like we are nowhere near out of the woods. We just started the bye, the bye weeks with all the in, like there's so many guys out, so many guys on IR, right? Just off the top of my head, especially now. Okay, so we get the Ford news out one to two weeks. So good for Kareem Hunt, maybe Pierre Strong. Those two will share the backfield without without Jerome Ford. But Jerome Ford was a great a great pick that's been helping people. Not like not to the level of HN and and Kyron and stuff, but certainly helping people, especially this past week. Um, he's out. Uh, looks like Roshan should be back, but Khalil Herbert is on IR, so we'll see what they do with Roshan and Foreman and Darrington Evans. Um, we'll see what they do there. Obviously, Kyron is out for a month, um, and so n- nobody has uh, Daryl Henderson and uh, – and Royce Freeman, we don't have to worry about that, but that's huge for the best ball landscape. Kyron was, you know, one of the best picks, if maybe the best pick in all of it, you know, HN, him and HN, him, HN, Mostert, Puka, Thielen, right? Uh, in terms of like production per draft capital. And then when you, I think Kyron and Puka, when you factor in ownership, that they're not 100% owned. Uh, on these sites maybe puts them over, but no, now he's out. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully he can only be out for those four weeks. I was a little shocked that he went on IR, but uh, Kyron out, HN still out. Um, who the heck am I missing? Obviously we lose da- Dawson Knox, which is not impactful, but is going to help out Kincaid teams. Debo Samuel tonight with the 49ers. Uh, uh, Bet the Brandon IU over on receiving yards. Just take that, fund your best ball losses. Not financial advice, but I'm betting it. Debo out. CMC going to play tonight, but is he fully healthy? Do they need to give him all the work? Is it going to be Jordan Mason or <laughs> Eli Mitchell behind him? Um, let me think about this let's go to uh do do who else is who else is all hurt uh so you know jk dobbins out which gives gus and mostly gus but justice a little bit of life um who else is all out so far you know aaron Rodgers obviously still out damien harris goes out which seemed to really help uh, I know it shouldn't 
seem like it mattered at all because Damian Harris was was barely playing. But I think last week the loss of Damian Harris and the continued ineptitude of Latavius Murray looked like it boosted James Cook a little bit. So you got James Cook on teams. I think that feels good. Zay Jones has been out. Hopefully he'll get back this week, but he's been out for you know an extended an extended stretch. DK Metcalf misses a game. I assume he'll be fine because he was a game time decision this week, but you never really know exactly what's what's going on with uh, with those injuries. You know, sometimes we get it doesn't seem like a big deal. Like like the Kyron one was just an ankle sprain and we were like, okay, you know, maybe he'll miss a week and then poof, IR. Um, That stuff changes you know, quick, fast and in a hurry. So uh, Bijan misses basically misses this week. It seems like a non-issue, but guy getting a really bad headache and it on a Saturday night, it lasting all the way through into Sunday. It's like at least a little cause for concern. I assume that Miles Sanders will be back this week, but he has obviously already missed a game. Jalen Waddle has apparently just gets hurt every single week. The kid is made of glass. I mean, shout out to him. He's a really fun player and I have him on a lot of teams. So I hope he's okay. Mike Williams is, is out for the season right? There's just like, it's devastation. And so if you just have teams that can freaking hang on, man, and find a couple of difference makers, find that Donta Foreman, hopefully, you know, selfishly, Brees Hall coming back, all that kind of stuff. And then as like Hacker said, he was specifically talking about the Hertz team, but navigate these buys somehow, right? Because you're going to have every team, basically every team. If you have a team with 18 fully healthy guys, like you're either completely smashing and you're at the top of one of these of one of these actually you're probably not because you probably don't have HN or Kyron or you know some of the the healthy guys or some of the not healthy guys who have crushed but it's just we're in this crazy part where these as we as we talked about at the top these rookies and these young players are starting to ascend we're getting injuries all over the place our lineups are our teams are just ravaged by injuries and we're then we're also still trying to navigate the bye weeks this is when everything shakes up and but this is also when even even when you didn't have and so i'll speak this is me personally speaking from experience even when you didn't have the best player takes like mine are horrible you want bad player takes i got them uh every single one of my highest owned players sucks i don't want to go that far uh lamar and mark andrews are fine um lamar and mark andrews are fine sam howell is fine uh i'm trying to think of even like who some of my other highest known players right i got a lot of dolphins whatever some of these guys are are okay jsn jsn i need it al jsn season is coming to save us all says al uh, i need it because he's one of my highest owned players and uh Kyron, right? Kyron, one of my highest owned players. Tutu and Pukas, two of my highest owned players. Puka's still good, but Tutu kind of fading away. And uh, it's just not going well for me in like basically all of my biggest player takes and biggest player stands. Um, a couple of good things here and there, but generally speaking, really bad. But with that being said, I'm still in a pretty good spot and I feel good moving forward the rest of the year because. I believe that this community here, these group of best ball sickos who take this really seriously, really focus hard on roster construction and building teams that get better 
during these times, teams that can weather the buys, teams that can weather injuries, teams that uh, if they happen to avoid too many injuries can really accelerate and step on the gas during these weeks and make up ground. Uh, like I gained several different advancing teams across DraftKings and underdog last week, even though my highest owned players didn't even play Damian Harris, Rashad Penny, right? Sam Howell didn't do anything, but I gained a bunch of advancing teams because we as a collective community are able to put together teams that can accelerate during this time of the year when other teams are decelerating. Other teams got off the hot starts, but they got three quarterbacks and four tight ends and they had HN and they had Kyron and they had, you know, Mike Williams and like, poof, you're done because you don't have enough juice to weather these. You're, you're constantly not even having two running back score. You're constantly needing big games every single week from whatever Jacoby Myers. You're constantly needing big games because they didn't build their teams to, like I said, accelerate during this time. And that's what we did. And so I feel excited i also feel a self uh a shameless shameless plug i'm sitting in first in the high roller on <clears throat> on drafters with uh, my own version of the double elite tight end i got lamar to andrews and purdy to kittle with uh brandon Ayuk as well in that stack and just really really hit other than feeling really hit strongly on wide receivers have Tyree Kill, Brandon Ayuk, Gabe Davis, Zay Jones, Curtis Samuel, the aforementioned Devontae Parker, also the aforementioned Kendrick Bourne. So we went with a little double Patriots late, Puka and Josh Downs. So you got real lucky in this in this high roller with my wide receivers. And then, of course, uh, Lamar and Purdy have been good. Andrews and Kittle have been good. Running backs, bad. So you talk about like, but building the team to, to be able to weather some of the storm, right? Lost HN. Penny is useless and uh, lost somebody else. Khalil Herbert. So like I lost like my, my best, my most impactful guys, but I do have like just enough quantity, right? I have Brian Robinson and Alexander Madison carrying me right now until HN gets back. And until Herbert gets back, unless I could somehow get something from Rico Dowdle or Travion Williams, which is pretty darn unlikely obviously penny penny is a zero but i just wanted to pull up the team because i think it's an example of even when even when you know like me failed miserably on penny and damian harris and dotson and bateman and so many of these super high owned guys for me but when you draft in volume and you just continue to churn out teams like you can get a little bit lucky sometimes and you draft the right types of players right we talked about puka josh downs um what was I? Oh, the, 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 you know, volume of running backs on a team. This is a zero running back team with Alexander Madison, but uh, I forget who it was. I apologize. I asked the question earlier about um, dealing on is dealing better on drafters. I mentioned that I have some cam makers and that's the, the horror story of that kind of a thing, but you see Alexander Madison on this team, right? Well, Alexander Madison is specifically on this team because it's on drafters. I don't really have a ton of Madison on DraftKings and, and underdog because I don't really love his ability to be accelerating in the playoffs for, for this Vikings team with his sort of lack of talent. But on here, like I needed that guy. Like I would be r really struggling without Alexander Madison on this team, despite the fact that it has HM, you know, B Rob, whatever, because I, I didn't get Kyron on this team. I didn't get uh, a couple of these other hits. Mostert is not on here. 
And so I needed Alexander Madison. And so I specifically targeted him because I'm like, oh boy, he's my RB1. I need somebody that's going to be scoring out of the gate. I don't, it's not that I don't care about weeks 14, 15, 16. I, of course I do, but I need those points. Like I needed his points early in the season on this particular build. And so sometimes you get a little lucky with how you, with how you put it uh, together. Uh, it, it's, it's funny you say that Alexander Madison is not doing anything for you other than trolling, but uh, I've been using his score like every single week. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's been, he's been, he's, he's really valuable. I'm going to be using his score tonight, whatever he does. However many points he puts up, him and B-Rob are in the lineup. B-Rob's nine points is in one running back spot. And uh, whatever Madison does tonight will be in the other running back spot. Yeah. Uh, Travion. Also, I believe Hacker told me that uh, tra- I'm the only person with the Travion in the in the high roller. So if we could ever get Travion season, that would be sweet. But I've, I've bored you guys long enough. Be back tomorrow night. I believe Rob will be back with me tomorrow night. Spike Week Sicko Show. We'll start to look ahead to week eight. Start to talk through some more of the stuff we talked about here here tonight. Maybe dive into some more teams. Talk about this Monday night football game. Maybe even, maybe even start to, to start to think a little bit about we got playoff best ball drafts coming in. Not too long, not too long, but we'll start to get all that stuff going. Thanks you guys for joining us and joining me, and I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Peace. Woo! Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're gonna have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date. That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.